This is Al Pacino talking about his iconic mannerisms in Scent of a Woman. Who I came from, this guy was teaching me how to load and unload a 45 blind. And there's a lot of little things you gotta learn. So I was forever having practice with this guy, teaching me how to do it. I mean, it was a real lieutenant colonel, this guy. And every time it came to, you know, I would do something good, say a little good, he would go, hoo and so I just, man, I said, that's it, hoo And then I said, what is that? He said, oh, he says, oh that's what we do when you do some hoo with the troops going along. I thought, I got to use that. That comes from heaven, that stuff. You get it shot like that. I mean, that's, that's great. Uh, and this is required watching where we watch the essential films from the list of cinematic influencers and look at them through the lens of learning about filmmaking and how to move forward. I'm your host, Trey Epps. And I'm Danny Tavener. And today we're talking about the Al Pacino breakout, Scent of a Woman, based off an Italian book <laughs> directed by Martin Brest, written by Bo Goldman and starring Al Pacino, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Bradley Whitford. Chris O'Donnell. The movie is about a prep school student needing money who agrees to babysit a blind man, but the job is not all that he anticipated. Damn you! So we're we're st- we're still we're fresh in the month of like movies before breakouts, before breakout movies performances. Before breakouts. And and you chose this film. I chose this film because I had read that this was Philip Seymour Hoffman's breakout. And okay. I did not realize that he wasn't the star <laughs> of this movie. He was a supporting character. I mean, it, like fair. He was like the. I, I mean, he's I, like, I like he has a a pretty crucial role in this movie, right? right. As the the guy who f- screws everything else up for everyone else. I have never seen this movie, and the only I'd always heard about it. I'd heard the Huas. Yep. I remember E-Bombs World had the soundboards for print calls, and I think they used <laughs> the Al Pacino's role for a lot of the great sound bites. But I also only know this movie because in Half Baked, wow, the Dave Chappelle Neil Brennan movie, <laughs> when they're talking about the different types of smokers, and John Stewart has a cameo as the. I forget what they call him. He's like the, you got to try this while high smoker. Right. I remember his character goes, you ever see scent of a woman? You ever see a scent of a woman on weed? <laughs> I love that legit, movie. That, that, was my, that was my only, only understanding of this movie. <laughs> I, I didn't know that this is where the who I came from. I knew nothing about this movie other than the title. And I think appropriately so. I, when this came out, it was 1992. I had no reason. I was, what, four? I had no reason to know anything about this movie. So it fell by the wayside as being a quote-unquote old movie. I'll be completely honest with you, Dan. I am not... I I, I think... I, here's what I'm trying to choose always carefully because I wanted to make sense. I don't... If Al Pacino is a legend, period. Mm-hmm. If you ask me, Philip Seymour Hoffman is a legend, period. But... When it comes to Al Pacino, the one thing that I think everyone grows up with, you know, around the time you and I were in school was like Scarface, right? And because I hate Scarface and I'm happy to watch it and go over it, like we should have a, a month called Movies We Hate, which no one will enjoy except like except people listening, maybe. Um, 
but, be, be, but I, I didn't have that same connection with, with Al Pacino as I think a lot of people did until I grew up and was able to like go back and watch some of his, some of his other movies. But I gotta tell you, there's something about watching Scent of a, like him in Scent of a Woman that makes me really happy. And you know what? I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm so I'm jumping ahead of myself. Let's take a break. If you're looking to start a podcast, the best place to start is Anchor. It's free. The creation tools allow you to record and edit the podcast right from your phone or computer. And Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Uh, You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And it's easy to do everything to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Dan, I'm hoping that you have some fun facts for me. <laughs> well, for starters, HUA is an actual acronym, not just something that a guy said to Al Pacino one time. You know what the, what the acronym means? All right, in my research, I found that HUA pretty much is just anything but no. It means, <laughs> I heard you, okay, sure, affirmative. But I saw that somewhere that it's an actual acronym for heard, understood, affirmative. H U A. Hua. You know what? I don't or know if this is true. It's I feel like from the heavens, like Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know if that's true, but I'm gonna choose to believe it because that makes perfect. It sense. It makes more sense than whatever Al Pacino was on. <laughs> True, truth. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman auditioned for this role five times before he was cast. He was working various odd jobs in between sporadic film and TV roles, stocking shelves in Manhattan delis before he was cast. He cited that this film is the film that changed his career. You know who wanted I, to audition for that role? Who? Not that role. The Chris O'Donnell role. Who? Chris Rock. Chris Rock? Allegedly. Allegedly. He said he wanted to okay. audition and he was turned down. Well, because he's black. There's not a single black person in this movie. <laughs> as as were the times in uh, twenty in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You remember the nineties? Yeah. <laughs> we had half baked and then this white ass movie. Uh, there's barely a woman in it, but well, mainly the women are getting like objectified. Anyways, or, yeah, for like, a movie with a woman in the title, there's not many women in this movie either. <laughs> I love that he's like, "That's my niece. She's fucking crazy." Like, <laughs> just insults the entire family. But she smells good. It's really sad to go back and see. Sorry, do you have any other facts like that? Oh, I got so many facts. Go on. Don't let my dumbass cut you off. A little fun fact, they got rid of Sunday entirely on the Thanksgiving weekend. Like the way the timeline works out <laughs> and the things that they accomplish in the long weekend. Sunday yeah. is just not, they did every everything ahead of schedule. They just didn't need Sunday. They were just like, you know what? Let's just, let's just skip to Monday. Let's go to the, yeah. the hearing, the disciplinary hearing. I first of all, I was gonna say that sounds crazy because why would school be happening on the Monday? But then I was like, oh yeah, they do do silly things like that where you have yeah. to. Like, and he even wh- says like, there's not gonna be any classes. I'm canceling everything just to teach you a lesson. I don't know. I don't. I don't like right. that guy. But, uh, no the the headmaster. No but I don't like him as a person. He's in a lot of other movies. <laughs> I don't uh, like him as a person. James Red 
Redhorn? Rebhorn. Oh, all right. right. He's in My Cousin Vinny, Meet the Parents. He's the dad, the, the father-in-law and Meet the Parents. Yeah. When no, did wait, he die? he in Meet the Parents? 2014, he passed away? Damn. Wait, who is that he? Was like Talented Mr. Ripley. Steel. Remember him in Real Steel? <laughs> was that the fake? Wait, hold on. Wait, hold on. <laughs> the the, the rock and sock of robots? What's the what's the black like Shaq movie Black Shaq? What's like black Shaq. <laughs> we're like oh my gosh! Actually, keep going with your facts and look it up. Oh wait, what's a black Shaq movie? I'm Let's gonna find see. out. Don't worry. What other facts I got? Who is said exactly ten times in the movie? Seems wow. like a lot more. Seems, seems like, like it was so like much more. Fifty times. Uh, Steel. Steel is the movie that I was referring to. Oh. It has Shaq in it. Where do you know this movie at all? No. All I, I think it's like, it's, I, I don't remember the premise whatsoever, but he's essentially dressed in steel. That's all I got. It's on HBO Max. So go ahead and watch it. I love Shaq. Also, apparently Al Pacino stayed in character the entire time. Okay. So can, can I go on my rant, which is my major please. rant of the movie? It's in a good way. So. Again, I, I I wasn't a huge the hugest fan of Al Pacino and didn't acknowledge him as like a, like a monster star that he was when I was growing up. But I feel like of all the movies I've seen of him, this 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 movie felt like a movie where I was ready to acknowledge him as a actor, like a really good actor. Now, say what you want about him playing a blind man, and we'll talk about that in a second, but. I think like I think despite despite the whole blind aspect, I think this character is so good and and Al Pacino is just so good in it that it, it felt it felt both very cinematic and theatrical at the same time. And I think that's just Al Pacino in general. But I, I was really sucked into like what this guy was up to and I found myself actually caring about this jerk, right? And I think that's mm-hmm. the whole purpose. But I definitely found myself caring caring more about him than I was about Charlie. Didn't care I about mean, Charlie at all. Oh, I didn't give a shit about Charlie. I think it's very telling that this was his first Academy Award win because he had been nominated yeah. for Godfather, Serpico, Glenn Gary, and Ross, like a bunch of other movies. Right. This was his first and only to date actual Academy Award win. Mm. And it makes sense because Charlie could have not even been in the movie and it would have been the same. Like the entire right. movie is just Al Pacino. It is. It, it it very much is. And if you like, tell me that, that like <laughs> the only dynamic plot points and interesting like everything about the movie that you care about is specifically Al Pacino's character. Yes. Yes. And and I actually if, if I'm gonna combat that, I will say, and I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if it's because I knew this Philip Seymour Hoffman reference that you were pulling from. But I was also like, I kind of want to know what he's up to because, like, those phone calls that Charlie was was making over to the boys' like mm-hmm. cabin, and oh, where, where were they? Shad, they were in Shad. I, I know, the, I know that reference for previously. I don't know why, but he, he kept making those calls and, and reaching out to the boys, and I was like, I want to know what they're up to because it seems kind of like sketchy. They're, it also seems like they're having like a bro weekend, and of course, I'm not mm-hmm. here for the bro weekend aspect. But it actually seemed like there was a whole lot going on with like the boys' repression and Philip Seymour Hoffman not to say anything, and then for whatever reason, he called his dad. You know what I mean? Like it, it yeah. felt like Char- Charlie's life and Philip Seymour Hoffman's life were mirroring each other. Of course, in very different ways. 
but they had very similar paths. And I, so therefore I was like, oh, this, like staying with Charlie's story with Al Pacino was great, but Philip Seymour Hoffman was definitely shining. I would say much more than Charlie. That's not his name. Chris O'Donnell, like more yeah. than Chris O'Donnell was. Yeah, I think like of all the the kids, Philip Seymour Hoffman definitely stood out as the most captivating. And I, 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 I have this thing where I think it's about the cadence. Al Pacino and Philip Seymour Hoffman have a cadence about how they speak in this. I think Phil, I think Al Pacino does all the time. And I, I think we all know and love it about him at this point. Like when he takes on a role, he's very method, right? <sighs> <laughs> but but I think that, I, like there's a reason why why when we do Al Pacino impressions, this is the Al Pacino that we do, mm-hmm. if it's not Scarface, right? But like this this is it. Yeah, I, I think he's made such a character out of this, and he's gone to the deepest edges of of you know, like he trained with Strasberg and and all that stuff. So like it, it just makes so much sense that like. I think he, I know, uh, he he studied at a school for the blind in preparation for this. I'm not shocked. I have a question for you, Dan, though, regarding this. Yeah. What, what, do, what, what do you feel, and I'll say this only as a reference, because you talk about this all the time, but like in terms of representation on screen, and this definitely does not have to be a, uh, <laughs> a hugely political statement that you're about to make, but in terms of representation, there's a lot of like back and forth of like, if the person's gay, let a gay character, or, or you know, it, like, there's just a whole thing about representation. This being a blind person, I am not... I'm not blind, but I'm not completely offended that this wasn't a blind person. The whole time when I was thinking about that, I kept thinking of that Brian Cranston, Kevin Hart movie from a couple of years ago, The Upside. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Where he play Brian Cranston plays a paralyzed yeah, yeah. billionaire and Kevin Hart comes in as his like his aide. Brian Cranston. Yeah. I've never seen the movie, but I know people got really upset with Brian Cranston over that role because he's not actually paralyzed and it should have gone to a paraplegic actor. And as an able-bodied person, I can't speak to it that well, but isn't the point of acting <laughs> to act like <laughs> I completely agree. I don't know exactly. I mean, listen, I, when I see a bunch of white people on screen, I go, it'd be great if that was a black person. It'd be great if that were a woman. It'd be like, it, it would be, it would be great. And I think diversity and representation needs to, to play into all rooms. And again, I don't mean for this to be a hugely political statement whatsoever. Um, because I, I, I do think there are people that I, I, I don't identify with and I, I completely see their points, but when, when I'm talking about watching a film, I'm completely fine with Al Pacino not being blind. Like the same way I'm completely fine with James, Jamie Foxx not being blind and he played Ray. Mm-hmm. And it and it was phenomenal. I think Brian Cranston was phenomenal in the upside. I think Al Pacino was great in this side. And I, and, and like, I, I bring this up and it was on my mind mainly because, you know, over the last few months, the whole In the Heights thing kind of came out where it was about representation and of like, specific communities and i remember seeing that show i'm just reaching with my past memories but i remember seeing that show on in england and then and then watching as the cast was announced and and being heartbroken when like because uh, harvey weinstein was producing it at one point before all the stuff was going on and and being so excited for it and then when i watched it that first weekend like 
my 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 excitement for it was like dashed with like how could you not have brown like colorism brown mm-hmm. like make them browner and i was like this was just such a beautiful story that was being told and the fact that we have a minority even if it is Lin-Manuel miranda right which i think i think we can just say that he has he can do whatever he want right now i think it's yeah it, it's 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 a bummer for the greatness that we are able to see on screen I'm not, I think I think people's cries for representation is absolutely valid. You know, again, I'm I'm in that corner of often not seeing myself represented on screen. But again, I say all that to say I I, I do think Pacino's performance was amazing, and I love that he went method. And I wouldn't have been shocked if he if he had done even more research and had had like those blind contacts in that like yeah. or whatever it is. I feel like I'm people get upset. Again, I haven't seen the upside. Is it good? The upside. <laughs> Brian Cranston's great in it. Is it good as a story? I mean, Kevin Hart's right, but is it good, is it good as as a? It, it was it was all right. It wasn't bad. It was like middle of the road. Because I have a theory that if it's a not fantastic performance, that's when people will get upset and say that someone else should have the role. Because I don't know. I mean, also it's what a thirty year old movie, so it wasn't part of the discussion right. in ninety two. Right. But I feel like if it wasn't such a strong performance from Al Pacino. I feel like we'd have a different tone or at least people would be like, Oh, they should have actually gotten a blind actor. And I think that's evident in the, the upset about the upside is that it wasn't a fantastic performance or movie. So people were like, well, it should have gone to someone else. (laughs) Like I think (laughs) if Brian Cranston gave Al Pacino level performance, People would have been fine with him right. playing a, a a character in a wheelchair. I, I think that's a really good point. I, I do think that's a good point, and I think I think when we, like you know, but I I, I, don't, I really don't want to harp on this out of fear of saying the wrong thing because I absolutely respect the people who have these views and opinions. And again, I understand because I am one of those people ninety nine percent of the time. But yeah, you look at some of the controversies over the last year, like Sia's movie music about the. Mm-hmm. Is it she had autism, I want to say, or Asperger's, or both? I, I'm not quite sure. I don't think it was that criticism that sunk that movie. I think that that movie was just not great. So, or James Corden in Prom Night, is that the name of it? He should not have been in that movie, but go on. <laughs> but I think it's because he's not a good actor and played like a comically gay character camp yeah 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 and people are like oh well that's like if a straight actor gave a good performance in that role i don't think people would have had as much to say about it Uh, yeah i i think you're absolutely right considering that that movie i don't think people have a problem with eric stone street in modern family no no i i i I remember the tiniest blip of criticism that he was that he wasn't gay and i think it's only because they they i I think from what i recall it was like what 10 years ago Mm -hmm. it was because they thought he was gay and then when when everyone's like he's not gay they're like whoa whoa whoa, why 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 didn't you cast uh, a gay person to be in this role but yes largely did he like win emmys or at least yeah because that's a great performance and yeah. it's it's done with it's it's not done in a, like a stereotypical or like uh, character way. That's true. Yeah, it's like I, a, I, it's I full, think yeah. it's like a fully well-rounded character. 
Yeah, and I think I think you're absolutely right, and I think that comes from like from the writing of the script to the execution to the you know to the acting. Maybe like looking out. <laughs> I think when those things come around, you can't bet. I, I don't know. I'm bringing up sports, but you can't you can't miss half the time. You have to be on yeah. all cylinders. Like there's a reason why Fast and the Furious is is like fucking what nearly ten movies, right? Like not that that has anything to do with this conversation, but I think I think. It's, it's as well-rounded as you're going to get for even the ridiculousness of this last movie. But anyway, I digress. I have no other notes. Hold on, do I? My, my, my main notes was were, were just about representation and my love for Al Pacino, for me, honest. Yeah, I, again, knew nothing about this movie. I didn't realize it was like a Thanksgiving holiday movie. Yeah, which it was, wasn't it? There aren't enough of. The only one I could think of is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles great movie yeah i just not to not to overstep what we're gonna talk about next but it's in terms of scene stealers i think that's the thanksgiving scene was fucking phenomenal because <laughs> it just left so much tension in this movie and we're still getting to know al pacino so like this the fact that this all kind of explodes on everyone was so great and the fact that it was bradley whitford playing his nephew yes like yes, what a bradley good guy whitford. to hate <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. Oh my God. So good. I, I, like a shining star is is Philip Seymour Hoffman, as we already talked about. I I I don't know how much I love that monologue at the end. Like I got it, I understood. Like, but I wasn't like woo. And then once I like clapping, I was like, what? What? I I made a note when I was watching it because I was like, all right, that was a good speech. This reaction is way <laughs> too much. Way too much. Like. <laughs> They're giving, they're legit giving a standing ovation to disciplinary committee. Right. right. What, like, these kids don't care about being there. Why are they there? I don't how get nice it. of a private school this is. All those kids are thinking the same thing. Man, how fucking long is this? <laughs> seriously, seriously. I, I could have stayed in bed, and I'm not because of this. I don't think they needed an audience for this disciplinary committee on a fucking stage. I, I don't they, get They sure should didn't need a standing ovation. <laughs> For several minutes. Until this part of the movie, Charlie seems, I don't want to be rude, but he seems like a bit of a loser. He doesn't really have any friends. He's like the poor kid at a private school. Why did everyone care that Charlie got off the hook? Like, who cares about Charlie? Everyone's like, yeah, good for you, Charlie. I listen I, I, in terms of scene stealers. I, I will talk about like scene detractors. And for me, that was Charlie. I think, I think those are, I, was, I think those are a few stumbles. Like the introduction of Charlie felt very much like, so you're on financial aid, huh? And I'm like, wait, yeah. what? Why is that so immediate information boy. that I need to know? <laughs> and then I wasn't sure. Like, I was very confused if he was with this group of boys and was just like being picked on, like, because boys do that, or, or like if they liked it, if Philip Seymour Hoffman liked him or didn't like it, it just felt so messy. And then, yeah. when, and then when we finally get into like, I just, I didn't care about him. <sighs> I did care about the Ferrari scene though. Oh boy, that was so stressful, wasn't it? That was so stressful. That also, entire sequence was great. Being living in New York and knowing where things actually are, <laughs> I couldn't imagine driving any car in Dumbo, yeah. let alone a what? Ferrari on cobblestone streets. What? Also, this is Dumbo thirty years ago, so it's it's still a terrible place to drive, let alone correct in the nineties. New York City in the 90s. What? 
Bruh, I have a hard time driving right now, and I can see. My, my car is full. My, my, I am a person who is fully abled. I, <laughs> my, my steering wheel veers to the left a little bit. And I currently, I, how can I do that blind? I don't get, he's like, he's like, I'm going to do a handbrake turn. What? I will say, as far as uh, representation goes, very accurate New York City police representation. Letting an old white guy off the hook for reckless driving just because he, <laughs> he, he seems it's cool. Like, you know what? I'm going to let you go this time. <laughs> I, I actually was clearly a blind that. man with no license. I was convinced. That, well, yes, exactly. Why was why was it? Anyways, I was convinced that that scene would end with them in the, in like the the East River. I was con- convinced of it. I mean, it would have been a lot funnier if he actually like almost let him go, and then somehow he let it slip that he was blind, and then he like just arrested it. I don't know. That's my terrible impression. <laughs> Damn. I, 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 I talked about the things that I didn't like, so I guess that rolls into what would I do to to change the movie and made it better. And that's less Charlie. Uh, Charlie. Maybe we just need Al Pacino. We just, that's all we need. We, I don't care about anything else. This could have been like a one man, a one man show. And it was just a two and a half hours. So I, I, I really do feel like I had a lot of Charlie, but I didn't need a lot of Charlie. I mean, there's a lot of it that we didn't really, they're, they're less setup is needed for this story. Right. Cause it, for what we were given. Because what makes this so great is the exploration of this character. Right. And because the character is so well done, you don't really need a whole lot of explanation. Like, right. we can figure it out. Like, he's a bitter... Like, we learned so much more at the Thanksgiving dinner of how he actually oh, lost his sight. anything else. Yeah. Than the entire first 40 minutes of the movie. Right. Which is supposed to be like, this is Charlie, this is Frank, this is, this is their relationship. Right. Like that dinner alone, we see so much the empathy that Charlie has for him, slash sort of respect yeah. the why Frank does what he does, how he interacts with people who supposedly he cares about. Like so much more in that ten minute scene than the whole quote unquote introduction. And, and I think and I, I, I think there was a, a lot of like Charlie going back and forth of like, do I want to do this? Am I here for it? When like we're playing this whole like I'm on financial aid thing, and he like, he's the one who who sought out a Thanksgiving job, and it's like either this money is good enough, or or Al Pacino is difficult enough. Like you know, like it, it didn't seem like there was much of a balance because of course it's 2021 so it was like two i feel like it was like 200 bucks or something like that it wasn't a lot of money for yeah it was 300 uh, bucks in 92 right so i I was like this doesn't really feel like enough money to be worth it it's just for a flight home it's not even like it's not like he's like i need this money to graduate or i need it's like i'd want to see my family for christmas which is nice and like (laughs) al pacino's character says oh i'm tearing up but the stakes aren't that high it's like no, fucking, no. I guess you're not going home for Christmas this year. So I'm sorry. <laughs> like, well, I, I, not that I needed any more explanation, but it wasn't like, oh, I haven't gone home in years because I'm so poor. And like, you know, it, it wasn't any of that. It was much more like, yes, Christmas is around. I got, I got to start thinking a month before Christmas about going also, home. So you're a senior. This is your last Christmas. Like, yeah. it's not not that serious. <laughs> Chill out, bro. Grow up. You would have uh, had to right. pay me to go home my senior year of college <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> 
Uh, Dan, I have nothing else. So if, if you don't have anything, I'm going to let you take it away. I, I got nothing. I'm going to say there's required. Just f- with the only reason being Al Pacino's performance. Because I think that's the bulk of the movie and the story and why we cared about it for two hours. <laughs> true. Very, very true. Uh, yeah, I mean, every, there are other things about the movie that were good. But by and far, the main reason to care about this movie is Al Pacino's performance. Absolutely right. I I can't help but agree. Damn, this movie is required. Al Pacino did a great job. I haven't read the script. I haven't seen what it looks like. And while I think while we are like, you know, we can do without X, Y, and Z, I think they've done a really great job to make something uh, that was fairly well contained. I don't know if well contained is a good way of putting it, but it was a really good adventure. For a Thanksgiving movie, I think an adventure is all we can ask for. And there were some really like heartfelt moments, funny moments, and quite honestly, frustrating moments. But but I think in terms of performance and really getting into character and really being able to create something re- that, that's truly yours, uh, Al Pacino does a fantastic job. And of course, I can only imagine that has a lot to do with the writing and the directing and the overall production of it. And while everyone had their own roles, again, Philip Seymour Hoffman was fantastic. So I thank you for picking it because of him. I am so sad that his last movie credit is a uh, Hunger Games movie, but you know, you, you do what you got to do. Also, um, but, Al Pacino was nominated yeah. twice this Oscar this year. Wait, for what? He was nominated for Best Supporting in a Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Was that the same year? Same year. Wow. Okay, baby. Listen, thank you so much for being here, Dan. And thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you like to help support us, please subscribe. If you're not subscribed, please subscribe and re- review us. We, we need them reviews. This is the first month that we're trying something fairly different. So if you stay tuned, at the very beginning of next month, we'll be doing a giveaway. And everyone loves giveaways. But yes, please stay tuned and listen to us more right you can catch the show at required watch uh, all over the internet that's instagram and twitter you can catch me at trey epps on twitter and trey.epps on instagram what about you dan i am at danny taverner on all platforms Woo, baby all right again give us a five-star review and we'll read it on the next episode so with all that said we'll see you next time Bye. Later, homies.